Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside my flamboyant host, Pete Robertson and Barry Rice. How you doing, guys? It is great to be here, and Pete really is flaming today. Yes, he is. Hi, guys. How you doing? It's just fun to be loving and upbeat and happy and joyful, and we just love life. Somehow I knew that intro would make, make Pete chuckle. It was fun. It made my hair made my hair move too. Yeah, if you guys aren't watching us on YouTube, you are missing out on some amazing uh, hair today. I need to get a haircut. You guys both have short hair. Man, mine's long. I'm getting mine well, cut next week. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm getting mine cut Thursday. Speaking, of, are you? Yeah, I, I probably will too next week or this week. You know, speaking of color or seeing us, Barry has this color on light blue. I think that's my favorite color. Yeah. It makes his eyes pop, right? I like, everybody always asks you, what's your favorite color? I have no idea. I like like fuchsia pink, you know, but I also like that light blue. And there's a reason why I think I like the Chargers uniform because they have that light blue. (laughs) Right to the This is the color of my favorite water. (laughs) Is it? Oh, yeah. I love it. I love to swim in water this color. And for him, his eyes, his eyes pop when he's wearing that color. So that's the other thing. Just another reason to check us out yeah. on YouTube. I like blue. White. I like blue too. White will help with the brown. Yeah, lighter colors help with the You have brown eyes. I do. But right. I like wearing darker. Barry's colors. the only one that has the nice eyes. I know. Both hey, of our eyes are kind of. Can't control that. I, no. That was God ordained. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for my brown eyes. Hey, so because I have brown eyes, does that mean I should wear brown to make my eyes pop brown? Is that know. what happens? There you go. Yeah. There you go. That I have to wear whites to make them pop. I really don't know what to do. <laughs> i'm feeling very awkward right now well we're gonna have an amazing show today and uh, before we jump into it there's you guys got any big news i know i know pastor barry has some big news in his family i don't know if it, is it facebook oh yeah they've announced it everywhere yeah you, yeah, you could say yeah. Share. my son has offered to marry a incredible incredible woman and she said yes we are so excited to be gaining a daughter another daughter and uh, it's just it is so happy in my house right now. what a blessing sarah's going to be to our family that's so awesome that's so awesome i know they've been they've, they've been dating for a couple of years and now it's uh, the next level right i have prayed 30 some years almost every day for that girl for that girl that's right yeah. really cool hey you know what else is going on today what, what? it's one of our favorite listeners birthday oh we my need a little gosh. shout out to lino today lino it's happy birthday brother you know talking about lino happy birthday but talking about lino he's never missed a show that's amazing he's i mean are you I'm, sure how do you know i've asked him <laughs> i mean he's he comments he sometimes he sends in some of those his requests or questions he to does answer and we've answered them on the show but he may be our most loyal listener i don't know we have a few out there i'm sure but does he have yeah. a t-shirt yeah, he, does. he does. Yeah, he yeah, does. He does. Yeah, he's worn at the men's breakfast before. I and think. he shared, he's shared our show a lot too. But yeah, happy birthday, Lino. Happy birthday, Lino. Happy whatever you are, birthday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how birthday old are you, Lino? I know how old he is. Make the comment. Yeah. Put it in the comment. There you oh, yeah. go. That's there exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're going to dive back into the book of John. If you guys remember about a year and a half ago, we said we we're going to start the book of John. Pete said it would take 12 weeks. I said it would take two years. Not that this is a competition, but I'm it, it might take two and a half years. The way that we're going, 
but we're going to cover an entire chapter today yeah. god yeah. willing and the, you know i'm I, excited we always allow the holy spirit to correct us but uh we're the goal today is to cover all of john 17 you it's know it's gonna I, be an amazing show I, john knox i was thinking is you know john 17 it's a big one john knox anybody knows john knox he was uh Fort knox guy no he's, he's scotland dude okay. back in the 1572 he he said this on his deathbed he said this he says he asked his wife to read him John 17, where he said, I cast my first anchor. What do you think he said meant by that? I cast my first anchor. So that was what he said on his on his deathbed. He had his wife read John 17. So what is he saying? That's a good stop. Start, right? This is the guy that was a part of the Apple. I don't know, was he? I don't know. John, John Scott, they, his I know that his um he was a theologian, though. I mean, the guy's one of those deep, deep thinkers, but he his uh, grave is in the middle of a street. They have, like, people park, you could park on top of his grave. That's there disrespectful to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. But, but they oh, put that's a, true. It was they, before cars, wasn't They put it? a yeah. plaque there to at least show that's where he's at. But when you were buried 100 years ago, you don't know if they're going to put a road. That's crazy. <laughs> Where's this in Scotland? Yeah. I want to go. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of us haven't, John Knox, a lot of us haven't studied his stuff. I've quoted him a lot. So, I mean, he's definitely. So what do you think? That, you know, that's what I was anchor. trying to figure out. That's why I want to ask you guys to get my brain thinking. My first anchor, he says, ask his wife to read John 17, where he said, I cast my first anchor. It's got to be a big deal. It's got to be a big Maybe deal. Come on to his us while, we're, while we're going through the, yeah. the chapter. Yeah, let's do it. So if, it, if it hits you, jump into it. Yeah. All right, let's All right. do it. Yeah, um, and if anybody's listening to this and we didn't cover it, give us your, yes. your thoughts on it too. <laughs> right, because we need to know. Inquiring <laughs> yeah. minds yeah. want to know. Help us. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Hey, Pete, will you open us up in prayer yeah, before I read it. the opening statement? God, you are so good, and we are just so thankful that um, we get to laugh, we get to have fun, but Lord, more than anything else, we get to talk about you. Amen. And uh, John 17 is just one of those extremely powerful chapters that we get to unpack today, and God, I just pray that you would just help us all just be transformed now by the renewing of our mind, that you would just deepen our faith, help awaken our souls, and Lord, help our eyes be open to your truth in such a way that just changes us, Lord. Let, let our ministry be impacted by what the words we hear today. God, it's to you that we give glory. It's to you that we want to be one with, and it's to you that we do all things, Lord. And so we just praise you. We thank you. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right, let's jump into this. We're going to title the show, the greatest prayer ever recorded. Cool. So today we will read John 17, which is the greatest prayer ever, ever prayed on earth and the greatest prayer ever recorded anywhere in scripture. I think that we would not be the only ones that would say that. I think that if anybody has actually really read the Bible <laughs> and they've come across this prayer, I don't know how they cannot. I mean, there's nothing like it anywhere else in the Bible. So I don't think that we're yeah. just saying that. I if think this is consensus by most people. I think you're right. Yeah. Unless you're just skimming through to read to, you know, for a checklist, Man. this has got to just like hit you like a ton of bricks, oh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Warren Wiersbe says, John 17 is certainly the holy of holies of the gospel record. And we must approach this chapter in a spirit of humility and worship to think we are privileged to Listen in as God the Son converses with his Father, just as he is about to give his life as a ransom for us and all other sinners as well. What we will read in the progression of his prayer is that he first prayed for himself and told the Father that his work on earth had been finished. Then he prayed for his disciples, that the Father would keep them and sanctify them, 
And then finally, he closes his prayer by praying for us and the entire church. What we might be unified, that we might be unified in him and one day share his glory. Yeah. So we're going to, so each one of those points, that's what we're going to talk. So we're going to break it down. So John 17, one through five, John 17, six through 19. And then finally the John 17, 20 through 26. And kind of to set us up, that word world that is used here is used 19 times in this prayer. So that's, it's a kind of a big deal. Say that again. How many times? 19 times the word (laughs) world. So so it's easy to see the connection between the prayer in John 16, 33, where he said that I've overcome the world. But if we can understand and apply this truth to our own lives, we too can overcome the world just as Jesus did. So as we, as we read this, let's go ahead and just unpack John 17, one through five, and, and let's just see what God has to say. All right, let's jump into it. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Yeah, so Jesus began this prayer by praying for himself, but if you notice that by praying for himself, he was praying for us. So his burden was for the glory of God, and this glory would be realized in his first in his finished work on the cross. That finished work was for us. The servant of God should always ask God for help to glorify his name in times of trouble. When we do so, everyone around us benefits from that prayer. Um, I, it made me think, and I wrote this note down, it, most of us know what it is to hear a true man or woman of God in deep prayer. Most of us maybe have, you know, especially if you've been in the church for some time, you, we've been in, in, you know, connection with somebody that's in deep prayer. They have, you could tell they have intimacy with the Lord. You could tell that they're, they're one with the Father. But there is something holy and awesome about it. I mean, it, there's something changing when you when you leave somebody that's been in, you know, that's praying to God, and there's like intimacy there. You're changed, right? But far beyond all that was the prayer Jesus prayed unto God and the Father, which is the only long, continuous prayer of Jesus recorded in the Gospel. The sentences the sentences are simple, but the ideas are deep. They're moving and they're meaningful. And if we just really meditate on what is he saying and try to dissect that, it should change us. Um, Melon Melon Chanton said this, there is no voice which he has has ever been heard either in heaven or on earth more exalted, more holy, more fruitful, more sublime than the prayer offered by the son of God himself. So it's, it's, I mean, what we're embarking on right now is just something pretty powerful. I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, I cannot explain or imagine the intimacy that Jesus has with the Father. He knows what's getting ready to happen. And looking up to uh, his Father, you know, think about that. I wonder if he could see him. Mm. You know, he looks up Mm -hmm. and he calls out, Father, now glorify me that you may be glorified. And uh, that really speaks to me as well, because, you know, I, I want an anointing. I want to have favor 
uh, so that I can look good a lot of times. But he he was perfect in the fact that he wanted the glory of the Father to come down on earth. That is the kingdom, right? Yeah. And and he says these incredible words, and uh, it, we need to be undone by them. Yeah. I, I really believe that, and and uh, I, I think this prayer is just so powerful. Yeah, I mean, it was when you said that he looked up. I mean, that kind of gives us kind of, you know, it's it's almost in a in a reverence way, but it was also, you know, the way that Jesus was speaking to the Father was as a co-equal. So it was because he was saying we're one together, and he was talking to them in a way, but at the same time, he was looking up and he was showing the reverence. Um, and that kind of gives it with us where, where we raise our hands, we look up, we exalt, where there's a, there's an adoration, there's, there's, there's something deeper there. Um, and now he's, now we're just going to unpack, what is he talking about glory of God and, and glorify your son and, and so forth. So let's just kind of look at that in statement two, and then we can just, we can just start, you know, trying to make do what he's saying. Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. This reminds us of many, the many times in John's Gospel when we hear the, the hour mentioned. Um, beginning in John 2, 4, Jesus has lived on a divine timetable yeah, we've talked, here we've talked, on earth. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot on the show, talking about his divine timetable. Right. Yeah. A thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. I think we brought that up a few. Yep. Yeah. Go on. Well, I mean, and Jesus knew, <laughs> no worries. Jesus knew the will of his father. The word glory or glorify is used eight times in this prayer alone, this being the first time. Knowing this, we can assume glory is an important theme. Yeah, Jesus brought the greatest glory to the father through his suffering and death. From the human point of view, Calvary was a revolting display of man's sin. But from the divine point of view, the cross revealed and magnified the grace in the glory of God. Our lives are to glorify the Father in every circumstance. I, I wrote this just thinking about the cross. I said, to men, the cross appeared as an instrument of shame, but to Christ, it was means of true glory. And so that's kind of what I took from that. So it's it's Jesus is, God is saying, you know, glorify your son. Well, he's glorifying his son through the cross. And, and it's through our circumstance, it's through our pain, it's through the the hardships that are in our life that the that, that God can be glorified. And so I don't know. Yeah, this may have been a real pinnacle height of Jesus being followed too, right? You know, after doing the miracles. And we know that John is written to demonstrate that through the miracles and through the supernatural uh things that have happened, that Jesus was really the Son of God. And for Jesus to pray this way, he's, it's like he's saying, as, as these people are following me, Father, as people have come after me, may they understand that as I'm getting ready to be wrung out like a sponge mm. and my blood is getting ready to be spilt, mm. may they know, may they understand that this is for you. Mm. And uh, I, that just really hits me. And, and that's sacrifice and submission. That is the glory, right? That mm. the eyes and the following that Jesus had, you know, the crowds that he fed and the crowds that were here that he's over here and they would come and he is saying, you have brought these to me. Now I give them to you. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me think of Acts 7 when Stephen was, I was sitting there and he's, and he's being stoned to death and he sees God or Jesus in heaven. 
And it's almost like he too was saying, you know, God glorify your son because he knew that the next step was the divine, right? He was going to be dead and he was going to be glorified, his new glorified body. And so, you know, again, for us personally, when we are being poured out as drink offerings, as the Bible says, or when there is a, a stretching or there's a persecution or if there's something that is done against us in an evil or in spite of because we are being, uh, we're doing the Father's will, right? And we're, we're, we're being sold out for his glory. There's a time in our life where we say, God, glorify your son, glorify your daughter as we are being persecuted or as we are whatever. So that, that, you know, that's the time of death. It's time is near. There's, there's a next step, you know, and I can see that in people doing that. So that's, that's kind of where I saw or seeing that. All right. I just, you know, I, I just had this. So we always talk about context, right? Right. And so I'm trying to think about, you know, what's going on here. This is immediately following. Jesus has been talking to them. They had dinner. They're spending there's all this really intimate time with Jesus. And then they get to witness this. Yeah. And I just was thinking, man, when we read John 17, are we putting ourselves in that position mm. where, I mean, this isn't happening in a vacuum. Mm. Everything is led up to this moment. Mm. And I just wonder, I don't wonder, because I, I don't think I've ever really done it. Yeah. When I'm reading this, I need to be putting myself in that position. Yeah. I just can't imagine what the disciples are seeing as, as they're watching him talk. I mean, talk to his father like this. It yeah. just it blows me away. And I, I think I'm starting to get a little glimpse of it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, it's like, I mean, <clears throat> like kind of what we were saying, when, when he says glorify their son, they're probably, their minds are blown. They're like, what are you talking about? But here on the hindsight, we know because of what happened next. They didn't know at that time. That's right. But remember when Jesus told them in, um, what was it, John 15 or somewhere where he says, hey, what, oh, when he was washing their feet, he was saying that, hey, you don't understand this now, mm. but you're going to know this. Right. And so I think that's kind of the same thing. Uh, all right. You know, well, let me just add this, if you would. Um Everybody's looking for Jesus to be glorified by sitting on a throne, right? To be the king. And, and uh, nobody expected that the glorification of Jesus would be that he would be not lifted up on a throne, no. not put on a hill that, that he's reigning. He was lifted up on a cross. Mm. I mean, that, that, that is the glory that mm. Jesus had that he was lifted up over top of the city mm. in that way and all eyes on him my goodness it's the opposite we just talked about this in our prep you know you were talking about the goal line right you yeah. see the goal line you're going to do whatever it takes to get in that goal line it's the opposite of how the world sees everything and and yeah. that's the way that god wants us to operate he wants us to decrease he wants himself to increase and everything that we do is for the glory of the father and by doing that the father then can glorify the son and so it's, it's just an opposite mindset. And it's like, it might be that we are persecuted. It might be that we're on a cross. It might be that we are the ones that are getting beat up or whatever, you know, because the world hates light and the world is going to come against darkness. And he's setting his disciples up and he's letting them know, you know, remember when he told Peter, he says, yeah, one day you are going to face, you know, his disciples, you are going to face the persecution and the hate and everything that I've gone through. It's huge. So it's, it is what it is. All right. Sorry for the rabbit hole. Yeah, that's good. Great job. <laughs> By Jesus giving himself <laughs> as a sacrifice, 
He was glorifying the Father by being obedient until death. Mm. Because of this, we now benefit by this finished work with the gift of eternal life. Mm. The word give is used in one form or another in this prayer at least 17 times. Seven times Jesus states that believes are, believers are the Father's gift to his Son. We're accustomed to thinking of Jesus as the Father's love gift to us, but Jesus tells his believers that, they, that uh, believers are the Father's love gift to the Son. So it's kind of the opposite way, but I was, I was talking about regarding, you know, this statement regarding your son, glorify the father. So first one was um, regarding glorify your son. Now it's glorify the father. The son glorified the father by revealing in this, the act, the cross, the sovereignty of God over evil, the compassion of God for men and the finality of redemption for, for believers. And so again, so the father, so it's our life as a, as a drink offering, when we are being poured out for the father, when we're putting ourselves in constant, we talked about this again in the prep show, the position so that the the father can be glorified. That's what Jesus is saying. I am doing this. I am dying. So the father is glorified. I am dying so that the father's perfect will be done. I am doing what I'm supposed to do so that the father and the advancement of God's kingdom moves forward. So you know, thoughts, yeah. you know, what I keep thinking about is in the idea of obedience that Jesus tells us in the story of the, the branches and the vine that if you want to love me, you must obey me, mm. you must keep my commands. And, and that is what Jesus is communicating in his prayer that this glory uh, that you're giving me, I am being obedient. Mm. I am going to go to the the last degree, my last drop of butter, my last breath, I am doing this out of obedience for you. And that is true worship. And that's how he is giving glory back to the father. And he's, just, he's saying, I, I, I have been faithful to be obedient. And that's what he wants out of us. Yeah. And he, and he, when he was telling them, he says, I didn't create you to be a fisherman. I created you to be a fisher of men. Yeah. And, and, and Jesus was basically saying, I did not come to be served. I've come to serve. And, and that's what he's trying to portray to his disciples. I am not doing this for my own pleasure. I am doing this. So the glory of God is, is, is proclaimed. And, and the same thing with our lives. If we in our minds get it, that we were created to bring God glory. We were not created to do our own thing to go our own way, to please our own self. We were created to be filled with the power and the Holy Spirit of God to do and to sacrifice our lives for the glory of God. And Jesus laid it out. Jesus lived it out. And Jesus gave us the tools by God's grace to be able to do as he did, not by our own power, nor by our own might, by the Holy Spirit's power. So he taught us that. All right. Good stuff. So before we move on to verse six, let's not assume everybody knows what eternal life is. So what is <laughs> eternal life? Can you define that? You know, and it's funny to say that, but you know how many people really don't understand the, the full definition of it? I mean, it, I'm just getting very, does this so well all the time at the very end of our shows, but let me just read this to you. It is knowing God personally. Okay. So Jesus, when he's talking here, he's talking personally to God. So we understand that. Not just knowing about him, but having a personal relation with, with him through faith in Jesus. We cannot know the Father apart from the Son. It is not enough to simply believe in God. 
This will never save a lost soul from eternal hell. Eternal life is not something we can earn by good works. It is a gift we receive by admitting we are sinners, repenting, and believe upon Jesus and Christ alone. Anyone who trusts Jesus will receive the gift of eternal life. Thoughts, Barry, on that part? Yeah, man, it's, it's that verse three in the prayer says, this is eternal life that they may know you. And that's a relationship. That is not religion. Yep. We, we, we comment on that all the time. <laughs> and uh, the one and only true God, you know, John 14, six, right? I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And he is praying that, that they may know you as the one true God. That is eternal life that I have come to give, and I am going to finish the, finish the payment here shortly. Yeah, I mean, we were born into sin, right? We're born into the world system. But Jesus says, by believing in him, we become transformed. We become changed by the renewing of our mind. Old things have passed away. The old world systems passed away. And behold, we become new, a new creation in Christ. And um, so that's what happens. Eternal life means that we are now able to have divinity, a glorified body as Jesus had. You cannot have that apart from Christ. You have, et- you have a glorified eternal hell is what you have. But with Jesus, you are able to enter into rest with the Father through Jesus. Awesome. Right. Well, right. thanks for defining that. Let's read on. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them. They have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and I have not let, I, I have, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I mean, in a nutshell, it's, it's Jesus is, is saying that the Father has given each and every one of us to him. So he knows, <laughs> it's going back into what we talked about, he knows already who's his and who's not his. And he knows that we are, um, that he does not lose us. Minute God, the Father has given us to him. God says he protects us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He protects us in all things. And that's kind of what it's saying. What does the statement in verse uh, five say? Yeah, it just says in verse six, we say, we see that Jesus has given his disciples the revelation of the Father's name. The Old Testament Jew knew his God as Jehovah, the great I am. Jesus took the sacred name I am and made it meaningful to his disciples. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the big gist of this. So he was basically saying that I and the Father are one. We know that. And he was saying that, you know, all of my, all the ones, the disciples that you've given me are mine, and I want to help them know the Father even greater. And so Jesus's life, he was sharing with them. So like in John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. He wanted to make the Father personable. 
in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. So when there's darkness, I am the light. So through Jesus, you can have the personal relationship with the father and know that he's the light. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. Jesus used the father's name in a way they could relate to him in every aspect of their lives. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about, guys, is as a father and my son getting engaged, mm. he's going to give her mm. my name. Mm. And, and the church is the bride, right? We're going to get his name. Mm. We as the church, the body of Christ, that we, we are going to be engrafted into the family. We're, we mm. are our children of God, and we get the name that gives us mm. access to eternal life. And, and the privileges, the inheritance, and all that comes with the name of, of God, the father, the great I am that we will be with him. We will worship him and we will be a part of that family, never to be plucked away mm. for all of eternity. That fires me up. And I think that the, I am, you know, from the Jews perspective, they went, Oh, we won't even say the name of God or whatever. And they, they made him so holy and they made him all this. And I think they, what Jesus was trying to share with his disciples with, Hey, no, G, the I am is a relatable father. He's, he's a relatable God. And so, um, what's going on? Oh, I'm trying to understand what's happening. Anyways, we got stuff going on in the, in the studio. It was, but God is relatable and we can relate to the father and we can know the father intimately. And so that's what Jesus is trying to share with us. So, you know, what struck me about this Jesus is talking to the father. He's like, it kind of like, it's almost like a recap as he's getting ready to go to the cross. But he doesn't talk. He's not talking about the miracles that he did. He's not talking about, you know, feeding all these people or all this. All he cares about, he's talking about his disciples. He's like, he could have been, I mean, if it was me, I'd have probably been bragging about all this cool stuff that I did while I was here. But all he did was talk about the love that he has for his disciples. Well, and, then, and, and introducing them to the father yeah, and the oneness so and the beautiful. relationship with him. So that was the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing for us. Let me introduce you to the father. Yes. So that's yeah. really good. And, right. and the reliance upon the father, right? Like we were talking before. Awesome. Okay. So um, next statement, Jesus also taught his disciples that God, the, did I do this one already? No, the great I am was their heavenly father. It's kind of what we were just saying. Why is that important? Well, the word father you 53 times in John 13, 17, and 122 times in John's gospel alone. So yes, the father is a big deal. In Jesus' message to the Jews, Jesus made it clear that the Father sent him, that he was equal to the Father, and that his words and works came from the Father. By him revealing the Father to them, as he and the Father are one, he revealed to his disciples the true nature of the Father, and that they can trust the Father as they have trusted him. We can glorify the Father because we know the Son, for the Son and the Father are one. The Jews did not know the son because they did not know the true nature of the father. And that's what he was trying to help with his disciples. He was trying to help them understand the true nature of the father. We now, through Jesus's ministry, have an understanding and are able to come boldly into God's throne room and have intimacy with the father where before the disciples were still trying to figure this out. They did not understand the true nature. Jesus revealed the true nature to the Father. We now know the true nature through the Father because of this. You know, as you're saying that, Pete, something that just hit me, you know, a verse that I have studied all my life of being a Christian since 1988 is John 14, 12. 
And John 14, 12 says, these things you will do like I've done, but even greater things than these you will do because I go to the father. Mm. And, and I see that in this prayer. I mm. see that he just told the disciples that they're going to do greater things than he's done. They're going to do greater things than the healings and the signs and all that. Mm. And then he tells them in, at the end of verse uh, chapter 14 and, and 15 and 16, that I'm going to send the Holy spirit. Yeah. I got to go. I don't want to go, but I got to go. Yeah. So that I can send the helper, the comforter, yeah. the Holy Spirit. And so I just see in this prayer that he's connecting his disciples that he's leaving and he's, he's don't want to leave them, but they've yeah. got to stay. They've got to finish this work because my work is done. And I want you to know you have the father disciples. Yeah. I want you to know you have the Holy Spirit disciples and, and he's praying. I am no longer in the world, but they are left in the world. Lord as you have glorified me, glorify them. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. It is. And it's, and it's like, you know, here we are when Jesus was here on earth, he was only in the physical. He can only be at one place, but in order for Jesus to be everywhere, manifested everywhere, it was through the power of the Holy spirit. So the spirit's responsibility is to reveal to us all things of, of Jesus, right? And Jesus' responsibility is to reveal to us all things of the Father. And so now we know the true nature of the Father because of Jesus. And now because of the Holy Spirit, we now have relationship with Jesus and with the Father in such an intimacy way. And, and, and Jesus, when he was talking about the greater things, it was... He was saying is, listen, you are going to be empowered by me itself. You're going to be powered by God to do supernatural things that I could have never done right here. And you're, and I'm going to be giving you all of this because you believe in me and because we are one with the father mm -hmm. together. Like he's, he's passing saying. a holy baton. That's what he's doing. That's, yeah. really That's what he's and doing. They don't know the power of the resurrection yet. Nope. They don't know half of it. All right. That's true. Come on. It hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. And so he's, man, <laughs> that is powerful. Isn't yeah. it? I mean, they're going to see the, the resurrection and they're going to see him live and, mm. and they're going to see they're they're going to stick their hands in the holes and, and, and they're going to say, Hey, I am, I'm going. And, and what is he doing? He says, I must go so that I can intercede for you mm. and send the Holy spirit. Mm. And he starts that intercession right here this ministry of intercession for the saints right here. Oh my goodness. To know that, uh, the, the power of prayer and to know the power that Christ is praying for us. Is there anything that we can't ask him for and see accomplished for his glory? Told you this chapter was powerful. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> Come on. Verses 11 and 12. <laughs> the emphasis is on the safety of the believer. God keeps his own. Our safety depends on the nature of, of God, not our own character or conduct. When he was on earth, Jesus kept his disciples and they could depend on him. See John 17, 12. I kept them in your name as he's speaking to the father. Wow. So if Jesus being in human form could keep his own while on earth, should he not be able to keep us now that he's glorified in heaven? I'm going to go with yes. Yeah, amen. And he, <laughs> he and the Father together with the Holy Spirit are surely able to guard and secure God's people. Think about God's people. They are the father's gift to the son. Would the father present, present his son with a gift that would not last? No. The disciples now belong to the son. Nothing can separate us from him. That's what he's saying. That is the most powerful statement. Ever. Wow. That really puts some meat on the bones there. That makes, it. It, makes, it makes so much more sense. I see the revelation here that 
I do not have to hold on to Christ. Christ holds on to us, right? No one can snatch us out of his hand. He has got the whole world. He has got us in his hand, and no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to face trials and tribulation. It's not talking about protection that way. What he's saying is that when we're absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. But while we're here on earth, we are to bring the glory of, glory of the Father to the, wor- to the world in the kingdom of God to advance. And it's not I that no longer live, but Christ that lives within me. It's the Holy Spirit is now empowering us. So that's what he's talking about. He is the one that's going to get his perfect will done. There's nothing that can, that can hurt you or harm you unless the father says, all right, son, it's time. Whatever that transition or whatever that is, the father is now in charge. The father is now in control of what our next steps are in life. We do not have to worry about it. We do not have to think about it. The father's running the play. Hmm. All right. All right. Verse seven and eight. Jesus says he has given us his word and his word reveals to us all that, that we have in Christ. His word gives us assurance and faith. In verse 11, we also have the, fo- the fellowship of the church. He said that they may be one as we are one. Yeah, without Jesus. Who's the we? It's talking about the church. If Jesus did not ascend into heaven, we do not have the church. He brought the new covenant. That was the church age, right? That's what we're living in. And so because of Jesus' word, we have him interceding for us in verse 9. Since the Father always answers the prayers of his Son, this intercessory ministry helps us keep us safe and secure. Regarding the fellowship of the church, we see them always in fellowship. Koinonia is that word. That's not just a, uh, a fellowship like we have with the regular people. Koinonia is a deep intimacy fellowship. There's something special about believers, like-minded followers of Christ when they meet together. That's why we need to meet with each other. That's why separation is not good. But Jesus knew that we needed each other. He washed their feet to teach us to minister to one another. We are weak alone, but stronger together. So that's something that Jesus is saying right here with the church. The reason why he brought the church, because he knew that we needed that fellowship. We needed each other. And that's why he's praying and talking. That is such a huge point. And we see this all the time, Pete and and Bob. We see that church just, uh, Christians today are just downplaying the church. When when Christ died for the church and that uh, it, it is what Christ left behind that that would be uh, the the protection, the 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 uh, fellowship, the the place where everyone could belong. And, you know, I think we got to say something about this oneness and, and we're all going to approach that. But we're going to have to apologize to each other. You know, when someone else. uh uh, is of a different denomination. We look at them as, you know, not a part of the family. We look at them as, as uh, being crazy or weird or, or they don't have it all together, but I'm going to tell you what, they're cousins, Mm -hmm. they're brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And, and it is so, so important that we understand that, that if people have called upon the name of the, the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are our brothers and sisters. And that is who Jesus is praying for, that we would be one and that we would be like he is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. A brother and sister is one that is like-minded in the doctrine of believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day and that we are only saved through Jesus Christ and repenting of our sins. With that, 
we are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? We can fellowship with them. Let's focus there. But yeah. what happens in the church is we're focusing on all the other theology, the, all the other things that we interpret and we get splintered, we get broken up. And Jesus is saying, listen, let's build the kingdom of God. Let's focus there, elevate each other, love each other, have discussion on the theology, have discussion on the areas that we disagree with, but not divide, not fight, not pick up. The Bible's very clear. First John talking about we need to love the brethren. If we're not loving the brethren, we might have a relationship problem with Jesus hmm. because if we, if we can't love the brethren, then how could we love the father? And so it's very clear. And so that, that is very big point that we need to address. Yeah. I want to read this passage. I, I know we're getting long here, but in John 10, 27, who, who, who knows Jesus? It's his sheep. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It is the, it is, any sheep that follows Jesus and knows his voice has listened to him and has received Jesus Christ. I give them eternal life and they shall never, ever perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has great given them to me is greater than all. And no one will snatch them out of the father's hand. And here it is again, Pete and Bob, I and the father are one. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's one of the things I love about some of the parachurches, like natural discipleship, the one that I'm involved in. We don't look at denominations. So when we look at it, we see our Lutheran, our Methodist, we see our Catholics, we see all that. And we say, hey, what's your heart? Is your heart to multiply and to fulfill the Great Commission? Do you believe in the Lord your God? Do you believe that he is Christ? Do you believe in that? And we're like-minded. So we're like, oh, hey, let's come together and disciple. Let's come together and move the kingdom of God. That's the unity that Jesus is talking about. He wants unity with his body. We've allowed everything else to get involved and split and cause non-unity. Church, stop. Right. We, need to yes. get, we need to humble ourselves. Let's unify in, in the fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's unify in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's where we unify. That's where we build the church together. We need to come. Methodists and, and Catholics and this. Well, let's come together. There's, you know, a lot of people bash on the Catholic Church. There's so many Bible-believing Catholics out there. People are like, oh my gosh, they're all about rituals. Man, do you know their heart? Can you judge them? You can't. We need to come together. If we're about advancing God's kingdom, let's do that together. So I don't... Yeah, the ground is level Amen. at the cross. Amen. And uh, we need to start Ooh. acting that way. Mm. All right. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. So what we're going to see here is that this in this prayer is that Jesus was not a victim of evil. He was and is the victor. Amen. He has overcome all that the world has thrown at him. And in John 16, 33, Jesus tells his disciples to be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, which leads directly into John 17. Really good. good Keep stuff. the main thing, the main thing. That's it. All right. <clears throat> let's, um, let's do verses 13 through 19. So, um... I got to find it. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they, may, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Wow. 
read the statement down. Yeah. So again, verse 14, Jesus mentions that he has given us his word. The word of God is the gift of God to us. The father gave the words to his son and the son gave them to his disciples who in turn have passed them along to us as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And again, the word is divine in origin, a precious gift from heaven. We must never take God's word for granted. For those who are overcomers know the word and how to use it in our daily lives. In verse 13, it says, the word gives us joy, and this inward joy gives us the strength to overcome the world. The word tells us that Jesus did not depend on outward circumstances for joy, but on inward spiritual resources that were hidden from the world. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, the word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Psalms 119, 162, I rejoice in thy word as one that finds great spoil. Our joy comes from the word of God within and not from the world. And so he's telling his disciples, as he's praying, he's saying, God, I pray that as they are going to face tribulation, they're going to face hardship. They're going to face the circumstances that I have faced. But because we are one, I had joy, and I now want to pray that you give them that same joy mm. through my words. So that's what he's saying. You know, hearing, hearing about the word, I want to ask everyone listening right now, what do you smell like? Because Ephesians 5 tells the, the husband that you need to wash your bride through, through the word. And Jesus washes his bride through the word of God. If we don't spend time in the word and being washed, we will smell like the world. Mm -hmm. And I pray that I don't smell like the world. I pray that you don't smell like the world. I pray that we don't smell like the world, but that we have the aroma of our life of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the living word. Mm -hmm in your life. Wow. Yeah. Smell like the word, not like the world. Yeah. The world is a skunk. The word of God is a rage. That's really good. All right. The word not only imparts the joy of the Lord, but it also assures us of his love. As it says in verse 14, the world hates us, but we are able to confront this hatred with God's own love, a love imparted to us by the spirit through the word. Yeah. The world hates us because we do not belong to its system. Jesus says we're in the world, but not of the world. We're not conformed to its practices and standards. The word reveals to us that the world is really like. God's word exposes the world's deceptions by his love. The world competes, competes for the Father's love, but the word of God enables us to enjoy the Father's love. Thoughts? Yeah, man. I, I, I cannot imagine my heart. My heart wants to be loved by the world. And what has the world done for me? It's taken my taxes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's robbed me of my money. It's robbed me of, of my time. It's robbed me of so many things. And Jesus, God, through Jesus has given his life. He sacrificed for me to prove his love. And yet I have this adulterous affair with the world mm. and, and don't give God my time and don't mm. give Jesus my time. And he's mm. praying that that would not be so mm. that we wouldn't, uh, desire the affections of the world mm. because they hate us and, and who runs the world it's it's the roaring lion that seeks to devour and destroy us mm. and to kill us and yet we we have this uh 
affection and this desire to fit into the world and, and be loved by the world. Mm. Can you imagine? Mm. Yeah, it's by his word, we know how Jesus viewed the world. He loved them so much that he died so that we can have eternal life with him. That's true love. That's what God's asking of us. All right. So the word of God not only brings us God's joy and love, but it also brings us God's power for holy living. It says in verses 15 through 17, we are in the world, but not of the world. And we must not live like the world. Mm. To live a holy life will take a sanctification process. True sanctification, that is being set apart for God, comes through the ministry of the word of God. Jesus said in John 15, 3, you are clean through the word, which I have spoken to you. When we were first saved, we were set apart for God. As we grow in our faith, we are experiencing more and more sanctification through adjustments that God makes in our lives along the way. If we allow God to have his way with us, we will become more like him. However, we can also slow or stop the sanctification process by doing our own thing and justify in our heart why we are doing what we're doing. That's it's the process of suffering. We, we are hated by the world. The world uh, condemns us. It persecutes us. And through that trials and suffering, when we turn to God and to his word, it purifies us. It, it, it helps to make us holy. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be in the world uh, holy with the aroma of Christ, with the, with the light of, of Christ in the world. But he does not want us to be of the world. You cannot be of the world and holy at the same time. No. Amen. Amen. The world tries to be us, this fake God to fill that void that, that only God can fill. False and intimacy. it's so good yeah. at, at deception. I mean, that's really what, I yeah. mean, the enemy is all about deception and yeah. lies, right? It's fake news. It's fake news. That's right. Only the word of God is the truth. Amen. 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 All right. Let's, let's wrap up this chapter. Um, verse 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also um, be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that mm. they may be one, even as we are one. I am in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous father, even though the world does not know me, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I mm. in them. Mm. Mm. What is verse uh, statement 12 there? So in these verses, Jesus is putting our focus on the future. He begins to pray for us who live today. For us, that's crazy. Mm. For the whole church throughout the ages. Um, he now is praying for unity. He is concerned that his people experience a spiritual unity that is like the oneness between the Father and the Son. Christians may belong to different fellowships. We kind of talked about that a little yep, bit. Yep. But they all belong to the Lord and to each other. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it, Jesus is just reiterating kind of what he was just saying. The disciples often exhibit a spirit of selfishness, competition, and disunity, and this must have broken the Savior's heart. Just think how he feels now with the condition of the church today. Mm. 
It's, it's not about me. It's not about my philosophy. It's not about what I think works best. It's like, how can I sacrifice myself to advance God's glory? How can I sacrifice what I do? How can I work together with my team members, with my unity, with my body of Christ, so that we can move the kingdom before? We, the, 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 it's not happening around the world. It's because we're too worried about trying to fix each other. We need to stop, just humble ourselves and start washing our feet, washing each other's feet. And it's just like, hey, let's work together. You got that gift. That's great. And that's the other thing I've learned, learned in the body of Christ. If the body of Christ is working in harmony, that there is no person that stands out. There's no pastor that stands out. There's no elder that stands out. There's no lay leader that stands out. We all are one. Amen. We're all working together in concert to bring advance God's kingdom. That's the best part about it. Yeah, there might be a leader here and there or whatever, but there's nobody standing out. It's just the body of Christ at work for the glory of God. You know, I was thinking of of John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. I'm not backing off on it, he's saying love one another. And so he is praying at the end of this marvelous prayer for the people that we are to evangelize and to bring into the fold, that we are to love into uh, the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, if we don't love each other in the kingdom, why would anybody outside the kingdom want to be a part of it? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples because you love one another. And he's saying, Jesus is praying that the love that the father has for the son and that the son has for the father, that that type of love, that surrender, that like you're saying, Pete, that humility and that uh, exalting of one another, that that type of love would be in us so that the world will know that God is real and the one true God. It goes back to the gospel of that you may, that all who know him may, may, have eternal life. I mean, there's, amen. And there's just so many people that are probably listening right now. Um, and I know there is that, that do not know Jesus. Why don't you speak to them, uh, Barry, real quick and just share with them if they want to give their life to the Lord, they could do that today to have eternal life. I, I don't know about you, but hearing Jesus pray like this, I'm very, very convicted. Mm. I'm convicted about how I talk bad about other pastors and other ministries. I'm convicted how selfish I am being in the world and wanting to please the world. And, you know, I think that is the ultimate sin is that we want to fit in. We want to be a part of this world. Jesus said, I have come that you may be a part of my world, a part of my eternity and and be with the father. And, and maybe you're listening and you're saying, I need help. Well, I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know that the reason why we do this podcast is so that you may hear, so that you may be encouraged, so that you may receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and walk in him and live differently and understand that he is for you and with you. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know with 100% certainty that that you are a follower, you are a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. You, you're going to spend eternity in, in heaven. If you don't know for sure, would you simply do this? 
would you just call out to the father and say, father, I know you created me. I know that you love me and I know that you want a relationship. And I admit that I am a sinner and I'm separated from you. And I'm sorry. I repent. I turn from this world and I turn from my sin and my selfishness and I humble myself before you. I need you, God. And would you also say, I believe in the son, your son, that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again, and that is the only way to heaven. Jesus said in 14.6, John 14.6, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father except through me, that today you would pray that I am choosing you, Jesus, to be my payment of my sin, and I will trust in what you did on the cross instead of what I am doing. And I put my faith and trust in you. And I ask that you would come and be my authority, be my, my Lord and my savior and my all that I, I commit to live for you each day. And lastly, uh, the Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And verse 13 says this, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So would you call on the name of the Lord and ask him to save you right now as you ask him to forgive you of your sins, as you state that you believe in Jesus as the only way to heaven? I can help you with that. You could pray something like this. Dear God, I love you. I know you love me. And I'm so thankful that you want me to know you. And what stands in the way is my sin. I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm saying I'm sorry. And I believe that Jesus died for me, died on the cross for sin to obey you and that he was buried and that he rose again and that he's alive and that he's at your right hand right now. And so I ask Jesus to save me, to be my Lord. And I put my faith and trust in what you have done on the cross. And I ask that you would just take over my life and help me be the man or the woman of God that you want me to be and to tell others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. And if you uh, said that prayer, we would love to hear from you. You just go on to the riotpodcast.com and um, just go ahead and fill out that uh, no God section and just uh, let us know the, the commitment that you made. And we would love to get in contact with you and just get you started in your walk with him and um, Bob, how else could they get a hold of us? Um, uh, yeah, so a once you're done with the website, there's lots of uh, social media places where you can reach us. You can go to YouTube, Twitter. Um, it's just the Riot Podcast. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, and we, you know, we talked earlier about being on YouTube, you can actually watch the Riot Podcast, which is like crazy to think about. But uh, go to the Riot Podcast uh, podcast on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. <sighs> And click the bell. You'll be notified every time a new uh, episode is released. And uh, again, happy birthday, Lino. Uh, I know it's a couple of days late, but we love you, brother. We're so glad that uh, you've shared the show with so many people. And uh, just thanks to the listeners, Pete. What an amazing show. Pete and Barry, great job. It just really, I think, breaking down uh, this, this prayer and helping us understand, helping me at least, understanding it. A little bit better it's been a great show yeah we did it was able we did bring to light a little bit right so i mean we saw how powerful it was what his prayer was doing um 
you know what i mean it just it radically set the stage yeah right it was just such an awesome awesome show all right be blessed everybody take, take care. care guys see you next week this has been the riot podcast if you liked what you heard today please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends see you back here next week for another episode of the riot podcast